Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Success really is everybody being on the same page from the janitor who walks in to the CEO that that walks in, right? Like we all flow together. It doesn't matter if we're doing a million dollar company or if we're doing a hundred million dollar company. Success is like everybody just enjoys what they're doing. They enjoy the atmosphere, the product, and the company. Hi, it's Joseph. And thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Today, we're doing something a little different, showing you what management looks like in action. I sit down with Trey Llewellyn, a former full-time insurance agent who left his job to jump into e-commerce in 2012. Since then, his business has sold millions of dollars of products over the internet. But in this interview, we don't focus on his e-commerce strategies. You can find that in his own podcast or in other interviews he's done or from some of the other products he offers. We focus on what it takes internally to become a leader and an entrepreneur, creating something that feels meaningful and in alignment with the life you want to create, the mindset around money, the important lessons Trey has learned from both failures and successes, his passion for solving problems, especially the problems he created for himself, and what accountability looks like at all levels of his organization. To learn more about Trey's enterprise, you can go to commercekings.com, and that starts with a K, not a C. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and the courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Trey, thanks so much for joining us today. I really really appreciate your time. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about how you got into the business that you're in and what you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in the e-commerce space. We sell physical products out of China. Uh, we go there to you know find good products to sell at a good price, and then mark it up on margins. Our margins are usually anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred percent. So we'll buy something for five bucks and we'll sell it for fifty to seventy, uh, which is really good margins. You need those type of margins to sell on the e-commerce in the e-commerce world and actually you know make a profit because it's it's a harsh world out there. I've uh, been doing that for five or six years now. Started selling some t-shirts, and uh, we found we sold so many dang t-shirts that are that our customer base. We'd actually see it in the comments of Facebook that they're like, "Hey, man, uh, I've bought ten t-shirts from you guys now. I, I I don't need any more." And so that's kind of when we saw like, "Wow, we need to move to a different field," and that just happened to be more of a physical product. I know t-shirts are a physical product. But things like you know, we sell like targets or oil, or we sell uh, whiskey glasses. We sell all kinds of like different little trinket items, fun items, uh, memorable items to our to our avatar, who are gun owners, you know, gun guys. That's really? pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's your that's the that's part of the psychographic of your target market as their own guns. Is, 
they they love their guns, man. We got we got eight hundred thousand people on an email list that are just avid gun owners. They're just like, where's the next gun at? Huh? Fascinating. And how yeah. did you come across that target market? Was that intentional or accidental or what? Uh, it was definitely intentional. Uh, so we so Bryson, my brother, co partner, uh, CEO, whatever you want to say, president. So uh, he he was actually going to be a police officer. He was going to academy, uh-huh. and I said, you know. I don't want you to kind of come home in a grave uh, or in a coffin. That would be, that would be sucky. How kind so, of you? Let's start a business together. <laughs> you're, not, you're not out in the field, you know. So you're actually in a in an office space. You get to still deal with guns. You get to have a you know a fortress if you want, and uh, maybe even make a little bit more money than you would as a police officer. And did it turn out he did? Yeah, I, I believe so. <laughs> he never knew. He never he never was a police officer. So I guess oh, right. He, right. he never got a pay stub, if you will. He probably had some idea of what the job paid, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you do. So um, why e-commerce for you? How did you end up there? Oh, man. I, you know, that's a great, great question. It's because I was an insurance agent. And I, as an insurance agent, I was making 60 grand a year, barely making a buy. I was in debt, spending too much, making not enough. And so I was going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just trying things. Like I couldn't get clients. It was hard to sell life insurance to people. And so I definitely wanted an out, but I didn't know what that out was or like what made me excited, you know, really like lit that fire in me. Mm-hmm. And I was invited to go to this conference. Wasn't a guy that goes to conferences. Actually, this was kind of one of my first conferences. Mm-hmm. And it was a traffic and conversion actually summit five, six years ago. And went to this thing and it was just like taken back by all these people doing these just stupid numbers. Like this guy gets on stage and he's like, Yeah, we did this Facebook page and it made us a hundred grand. And then he goes, mm-hmm. next slide. And then we did this page and it made us around 230. And then we did this page and made us 600 grand. Mm-hmm. Not the greatest amount of numbers, but it, you know, it was good. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, you're you you think that number is not large? Like I'm looking around thinking, like, is this guy on something or are you all in the <laughs> same Kool-Aid as he is? And I'm just the out guy, outcast. Uh-huh. Come to find out, I was the outcast. Mm. And everybody else is like, oh yeah, those are those are normal numbers. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of when I was like, okay, there's a new there's a new realm to to life here that I need to really you know kind of get a grip on. And so, man, I I took furious notes uh, at that event. I didn't even have a laptop, I don't think, because I didn't grab a VIP, so I didn't have no plug in. <laughs> I'm just taking notes where my hands cramping. I'm left handed, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to write with my right hand. Because they'll give my left hand a break, which I can't do. <laughs> Become scribble. But wow, that's, you were, that's you how were I was so attentive that you were using your non-dominant hand to take notes. That's a first for me. That's amazing. You, you go all in. Yeah. Okay. Well, it seems like that seems like uh, one of the secrets of your success is that you went all in. <laughs> you got to be on. You got to be in it. Mm-hmm. In it, or you're out of it. Right. So uh, here's a question that comes up for me that uh, I'm curious what you'll do with. What is money for you? Oh, money's so money obviously is the first, you know, goal that everybody goes for, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, you want a bigger bank account, you want a bigger check. And it really kind of comes comes down to how you live your life, right? Like what is your just kind of like generic lifestyle? Mine is pretty simple. I go I try to go on 5 to 6 vacations a year. I try to, you know, like I drive a nice car and um and I live in a nice house. Mm-hmm. And realistically, I'm good. Like I like I I enjoy that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, the next level is, okay, so then you become comfortable, you become to that threshold. So whatever that is, is that 10 grand a month? Is that 20 grand a month? Is that 30 grand a month? Um, you know, for my living, my living, it's, it's about 20 grand a month is what I need uh, to live the lifestyle that I, that I have, which isn't crazy because we live in Missouri. And so money goes a lot longer, farther away than if sure. I lived in like Miami, Florida. Yeah, sure. Right? So we have the perk. So, you know, a million dollar house here in, in Missouri is probably around a five to $10 million house in Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, just the money just expands more. So it's kind of nice. You get a bigger, you, know, you get a big house for a lot less than you would in like a California or Florida area, but you don't get the weather, of course. Um, and then past that, I think past that, it really becomes just a way to keep score. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of colleagues in the same kind of positions as, you know, what's your number? What do you want to see your bank account at? What's your, what do you want to see your assets at? Uh, you know, are you doing index funds? Are you doing uh, uh, real estate? Are you doing business uh, agreements? You know, what is it? And, um, and it really just becomes like a number to them. And same, same kind of field, right? Like, it's like okay, okay, what's that next level that we can get to? And that it's, that it's paying you back, right? It's in some sort of account where it pays for... 4% or 5%. Because realistically, if you think about it, let's say you got $10 million in a bank earning you 4%. That's 400 grand a year. You can do a lot with that. That's 40, yeah, it's a little under $40,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. What makes it meaningful for you, the work that you do that keeps you inspired every day? Dude, I, you know what? I ask myself that a lot. <laughs> and what it really, what it always kind of comes down to is, the the chance to be able to solve problems. Aha! Uh-huh. What kind of problems? That's what that's what really gets me off with that stuff. But uh-huh. the e-commerce world is I'll build a funnel around a product. Let's say we're selling this little guy, and it doesn't convert, or people aren't buying it. So either the messaging's off, the hook is off, the sales funnel's off, the price is off, uh, or the target of the audience is off. So there's like a lot of variables. You know, use like 20, 25 variables. And man, like sometimes. We get it on the first try. Like we just launched uh, a product two days ago, and like it was crazy. As soon as I boop, hit the button, like magic started happening. It was mm-hmm. like we just nailed all pieces. Like it just was in sync. Because mm-hmm. that, that that doesn't happen <laughs> usually. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually, you know, we push the button. And it's like no sales for two days now. Okay, well something's not working. So then we just go back and analyze my numbers, right? Because if you don't know your numbers, you don't know where you're failing. Mm-hmm. So is problem solving a uh, passion and a gift you've had your entire life? No, no, I don't believe so. Uh, I think where I learned a lot of my problem solving skills was when I went to college. Uh-huh. And I actually did five years at uh, the University of Science and Technology, which is what it's today. Mm-hmm. It's an engineering school. So uh-huh. I went in as a uh, computer science major. Mm-hmm. And then my friends were all these double E's, which are electrical engineers. So I was I like, I know the double E. Okay. Everybody was like, oh, that seems cooler than comp sci because I'm just hanging out with nerds all day who, who don't take showers and, you know, not, like <laughs> have always mustard on their, on their cheek. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll fly over to the electrical engineering side. So I started doing that. And then it came to find out that I took enough comp sci and, and double E stuff that realistically I, I could actually get a degree in computer engineering. Mm. So there's, Computer engineering, there's computer science and electrical engineering. I created this triangle around my degree. Mm. So when I graduated, I think I was like two or three credit hours from having all three, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't, I didn't get it because I actually had a job lined up that wanted me. 
And I was like, I might as well start making money than keep paying out money. But so, I did that. I did that for a year. Okay. And then, well, uh, and of course, engineering is all about solving problems. So you that's were all it is. You were into it, and then you found a way, or maybe life found a way for you to solve problems in a completely different way. But the essence yeah. of it is the same. I mean, what you were just talking about with twenty-five different variables—that is engineering, right? Yeah, it is. You're working with a lot of stuff, especially when you're coding, like. Uh-huh. Those darn semicolons. You know what I'm talking about. I, I know. I know all about semicolons. I was an those, English major. <laughs> semi, I'm talking about in code. I know. In, yeah. in code, those semicolons will kill you because it's in one missing semicolon makes the whole freaking thing just blow up. And you're like... Yeah. So you, so got you said you, you ask yourself every day what makes it meaningful. Where, where do you arrive at when you ask that question? Or what is, that, what is it for you? When I, what makes it mean? No, I, uh, I was talking like more like what's the, what's, what, what do I, what makes me excited to mm. do it? Right. That, and so that's a different answer than what's meaningful about it. There's two different things. Oh, what's meaningful about it is just the growth. That's the, that's the whole meaning of building a company is just kind of seeing it bubble up and grow and like add employees and add distribution and add like, there's a lot of moving parts to a, you know, to a, to a semi large, you know, multi million dollar company. How many employees do you have? So we like that can totally go multiple different ways, but currently, like I currently uh, employ twenty people, mm-hmm. but that doesn't include all the like. If you think, have you ever read uh, Think and Grow Rich? Sure, Napoleon Hill, of course. So where he talks about how the how the egg lands on your plate, yes, how that's a like a multi million dollar egg mm-hmm. that you're eating for pennies. Mm-hmm. Same thing here, right? Like yes, I have twenty employees, but it's it far expands that reach. Mm-hmm. Which we're talking about all the shipping that goes on. We're yeah. talking about all the logistics for the for the drop shipping company, mm-hmm. the the computer software company that I'm using to do all our phone calls. I get right? it. It ripples like, out. I get it. Oh, it's a okay. massive ripple. So I have thousands of employees through all that through the connections, but you internally t- we have twenty. You talked about growth. What makes growth meaningful for you? Uh, growth. I, I feel growth shows success. What makes success meaningful for you? What is success, by the way? Ah, what is success? Okay, success really is, in my terms, everybody being on the same page, everybody being excited to come to work, everybody being happy of what they're pushing, what they're talking, what they what they sell on the phones, from the janitor who walks in to the CEO that that walks in. Right? Like we all have the same message, the same mission, the same goal. It's one team. Like we all flow together. It doesn't matter if we're doing a million dollar company or if we're doing a hundred million dollar company, right? Success is like everybody just enjoys what they're doing. They enjoy the atmosphere, the product, and the company. Okay, is how I see that. That's that's success to me. That's a good, good working company and a good foundation. Tell me about your least successful moment or month or quarter in the last six years or so. Least successful? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they. I don't know about least successful. I think they all, if they're not successful, I think they all fall under least. <laughs> okay. You know? So like every failure is a is a least successful. Dude, we I would literally be... I actually should write a book about this, what I've been told. But mm. um, I can tell you about a launch that we did. It was a massive launch, but it, we scaled too quickly. And then, and then you know, comes the question that I would ask if free, free that is, well, how... How do you how do you scale too quickly? That doesn't make any sense. Like, isn't that a good thing? It's oh, totally, it makes sense to me. <laughs> it's a totally it's a totally great thing, right? But it also caused 
causes a massive amounts of ripples. Mm-hmm. I used that term earlier, and I think it's a great term. Yeah. Uh, to where, you know, it's like that butterfly effect. Like one thing here changes, and the whole dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. So we were selling products at one point in time, and it just got a hit. Like it hit the new, like news channels picked it up. Uh, like big channels, like Yahoo.com and MSNBC picked it up. Mm-hmm. And it just created floods of orders, uh, which is great. We weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the orders were fantastic, but we're trying to import from China and we can't get them here fast enough. So we're fly- we're buying, we're literally buying UPS airplanes <laughs> to, to fly our product over as a container versus in a container by a boat. Wow. And, and they were getting like one, we had one plane land in Anchorage, Alaska out of China. Mm-hmm. And it got held in customs. So the whole plane's just sitting there held in customs because the, 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 the people didn't put the little made in China state of or, or country of origin on the product. It has to have that. Yeah, it has to be on there. Yeah. It had to be on there. So, <laughs> so they said, either you can come up here and put little stickers on them all, or we, we can ship it back. And then they put the stickers on and then we ship it back. And we said, crap. So we sent that plane back to China. Oh. And they put, they put all the stickers on it. Loaded it back up, sent it back, and then it made it through. But massive learning experience. Mm. What did you learn? Learned that they need to have a little sticker on it. (laughs) And deeper than that, about scaling too fast. How how deeper? You you know, would you do that again, or do do are you careful about? Do you do more careful capacity planning now? Make sure you can fulfill on all the orders that may come in. Yeah. So I mean, there's obviously probably around a hundred stories that go along just with that. Yeah. Sure. To to sum all of those stories up, or all those least successful stories up, mm-hmm. there's one like there's little things that you'll start to do or start to start to realize that you don't do that you should do. One of them is is scaling. So so scaling your business can it withstand multiply a multiple of a thousand or even a multiple of a hundred. Mm-hmm. So let's say that. You got this little Einstein guy here on eBay. You know, you're selling him on eBay. He, hey, oh, here went an order. Whoop, there goes Einstein, right? Hey, mom, you know, make dinner a little bit late tonight. I got I to gotta wrap Einstein up in a box and ship that bad boy out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next day, oh, hey, sold another one. Mom, I'm going to be late to dinner again. Don't worry about me. Next day, three Einsteins. Hey, uh, probably not going to eat tonight. I got three <laughs> Einsteins to get out. Next day, 50 freaking Einsteins, mom. Like, whoo, not sleeping the night. And then boom, next day, 100 Einsteins. Now we're 100 X, right? Mm-hmm. Like now you're, you have solely focused on shipping 100 Einsteins out versus taking customer service calls, listening to emails, doing mm-hmm. refunds, chargebacks, looking at fulfillment, looking at how many Einsteins you probably should be ordering from China to make sure you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you have mm-hmm. fulfillment, right? Yep. Making sure the boxes are on order, making sure your shipping account is not defaulting, making sure that you can actually answer the phone. Or how about turn on your eBay accounts? Who's uploading eBay now? Right. And by the way, making sure someone's feeding you lunch and dinner. Yeah, right? eating is important. I do it every day. So the so the deal is, <laughs> the deal is when you work for me, you don't eat. So that's how that's how crazy it gets here. So at the end of the day, what I learned was what what whatever the task is that we're doing right now, can it be multiplied by a hundred? Another easy one just to kind of understand is sticky notes. And there's, a, there's a whole little fun thing we do with sticky notes here in the office, which is, do you have sticky notes on your desk? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, whew, what if I rip one of those away tomorrow and while you're on break? 
Would you remember of that sticky note? Would you remember that it was there or what it was on it? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Secondly, is what if I came over to your desk and poured 100 sticky notes on your desk? (laughs) How would you organize them? How would you put them in order? Mm -hmm. How would you remember which ones you've done and haven't done? Right? So there's a lot of things that can happen. So just with like using the structure of a sticky note, which seems brilliant, right? Like, oh, sticky note, got it, covered. Don't want to forget them. But if you times that by 100, now things instantly fall apart. Mm-hmm. So, so you, the question is, is if we do in sticky notes, how do we multiply whatever this is by 100? So it's maybe, oh, wow, it would break. So, okay, well, let's don't do sticky notes because when we do multiply by 100, we want to have a system in, pro, in place that is uh, solid enough, right? Put together enough that it can handle 100 sticky notes. Mm-hmm. So right. what, I'm, what I'm hearing is you subscribe to making things scalable before the growth happens. That's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we learned. Yeah. I think that's a really important lesson. And I'm curious about other productivity organization type stuff besides the sticky notes that you enforce in your culture uh, related to that. There's, yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's a lot. That, that you're, you're rigorous about that, huh? We, we could be better at it. You know, I think a lot of people could be better at it. At the end of the day... You know, you also have to have somebody who writes up the the SOPs, you know, system operating procedure, mm-hmm. right? That go, that goes along with that. And then, just as system operating <laughs> procedures you have, right? You can write them all day long, but if they're not being utilized or used or looked at, they do nothing. So, how do you get them used? Because I know a lot of my clients and a lot of small business owners uh, deal with exactly that problem. They create the systems and then nobody's using them. How do you make sure that happens? How do you make sure they're used in your business? I think it's, it really comes down to protocol and being, and being strict on it, right? Like if we notice that you aren't using the... Like if we find a mistake and an error, one, that error shouldn't have happened because if it, if it did happen, then you didn't obviously follow the protocol. Or did you, right? And if you did and, you, and the mistake still occurred, then something's missing in our systems op- or SOP, which we need to fix and we will today so it doesn't happen tomorrow, right? So it's kind of a yin and yang. Now, if, if the same mistake keeps happening, then now it's not the SOP and now it's a write-up. Mm. So that right? leads me to the next question. What does accountability look like in your business? You know, a, a really good accountability is having one, an open door policy. Uh, a really another big one that we've done that is, is really, really been strong is six months ago, we started doing every our pay weeks. So every Friday or every other Friday, we have you know, payday. Mm-hmm. And on those weeks, we pay them for the lunch. So they're going to come eat with us for an hour. So they get to eat with the executives, the CEOs, CFOs, COOs, and stuff like that. And it's more of a, a, a team, like entire company rally cry, right? Rally call, where it's like, hey, here, let's come on to this. Let's eat. We'll pay you for it. We'll, we'll even let you out early today. So everybody gets to come, go home at four. So they really look forward to this day. Mm-hmm. And during that lunch, you know, we kind of separate. Uh, we have the call center and we have the, you know, our other centers and things like that. And they're all in one room. And then the executives sit kind of at the front. Mm-hmm. And we are now a listening board. What we do mm-hmm. is we ask questions. What's wrong? Where, where are we failing as a company? Um, how could we be better? What's mm-hmm. wrong with our products? Why are people refunding? Why are people charging back? What's our biggest number one complaint right now that you're hearing on the phones? Mm-hmm. Because I got to tell you, those people... Get it every day, right? They know in, yep. in their ear, and they know. And as a CEO, you're not on the phones. You're not talking to your customers. You don't know what they're what they're saying and what they're not saying. The best way to do that is go to the source. 
And if you can't go to the source, go to the next best thing, which happens to be our customer care. Mm-hmm. Right? And I got to tell you, six months ago, oh man, it would have been like someone's dying, you know, because just of, just of how much vocal that meeting was. Like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is bad. This is not good. This is what needs to be changed. Like, ooh, like holy smokes, we're going to die. Right? And we listened. We said, okay. Uh, we went and made changes. And over the next six months, all those changes have been pretty much completed or, or put to rest. And now like these lunch meetings are, I would say, like almost a party where it's like, hey, we're having fun and hanging out. Hey, what, what, is there anything that we need to work on? All right. I, I can already hear a question that my listeners would have because yeah. it's, it's, you, you, make, you made that sound really easy. Uh, and the part about people being completely forthcoming and honest with you about what's not working. So yeah. my question would be, how is it that you've created a culture where in a public forum, your employees were so willing to tell you what wasn't working? Man, so luckily, we've never had a problem with that. Wow. Uh, that's never been an issue. And I think the reason is, is because we're open, right? And we don't criticize and we don't, well, you're wrong. They uh-huh. do, they do love Einstein's left hand, you know, ticking. On no, they've actually asked that they want the right hand, right? <laughs> and so the thing is, is like, you got to be open to that stuff. And if you're not open minded, then you're going to, like, people aren't going to even give you advice, right? Or if you shut them down, Instantly, they're also not going to give you advice. They're going to say, "Oh, he's stuck up. Like he's not going to uh-huh. listen or be open to what I have to say." And that's that creates that hard environment. Well, it sounds like you've created a business that, in this way, is very much a reflection of you because we've only just met, and you were very open. And you were sharing how much money you need to make a month to have the lifestyle that you want in the first five minutes of our conversation. So it seems like you've hired people who follow suit, and you cultivate that kind of openness. When we, when we hire, obviously the managers and the CEOs will, will um, interview them because the company's still you know, quite small, 20 people. So it's not you know, large. The same thing is, is we, will, we will back out of that office and we send our employees in to that, to that interview. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we say, go tell us if you want us to hire them. Uh-huh. And then they come out and then they vote and they say yay or nay, right? And so we really take their all of your employees or just some of them. It's it's in the whatever whatever category they're in. Okay. So whatever department. So it'll be the department. Yeah. So that department will all of like there's four of them in that department. All four will go in that room and they'll just ask questions. You know, and we don't. I don't know what those questions are. You know, it could be easy stuff. They could be just having a party in there. I really don't know. But at the end of it, they come out and we say, okay, what's your guys's... How do you guys feel? Like, what do you... Because they're, they're going to be working with them on a daily basis, mm-hmm. hourly basis, mm-hmm. right? And so the big thing is, is it's now their decision. So if the employee doesn't work out, it's no longer, well, you guys hired this you know, dork that came in and he's awful. No, it, it automatically undermines the us versus them. Employee. It totally does. It's like no, we we all hired him together. Like we all made the mistake. Yeah. Right? We didn't catch it. Yeah, you're right. We didn't catch it. Okay. Well, now next time when we're doing that, we know kind of what to catch. You're right. Yeah, let's do that. So I imagine there's probably dozens of ways you empower your people like that, and that's just one of them. Yeah, we also, you know, we also try to um, do a really cool work environment. So we, so everybody gets a, a an IKEA stand up desk. That's kind of what this is right here. Uh huh. 
So everybody gets an IKEA stand up desk. They consider stand, which is nice. It's a big, pretty big desk that they get. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then they all have twenty-seven inch uh, Mac computers. Wow, nice. So you know, like most call centers or most department things like that, they they get a little, you know, Windows XP or whoever, whatever the newest seventeen inch Dell or something, right? <laughs> seventeen. That's a plus. More <laughs> like, more like. I think they're twelve inches. Like there's a call oh. center down downstairs. And I go down there and they're they're on little 12 inch, like literally 12 inch screens. Wow. Taking taking calls on a on a little um ear ear hanging, you know, call thing. Mm-hmm. And we we provide uh like game headsets. So oh. like something you'd buy for like your Xbox. Mm-hmm. So like the like the headphones are nice, they're cushy, they don't hurt, they, the microphones are great. And like we just give that kind of stuff, like it costs the company a little bit more. But I gotta tell you. It's really hard to walk away and go to a desk that's, you know, two by two, little little microphone, little little twelve inch computer, and you're like, wow, why did I just, why did I leave? Mm-hmm. And then guess what? We get a call back and saying, hey, I made a bad decision. I'd like you my mean, job you back. You have people who quit and then they come back realizing that they screwed up. Well, sometimes we don't allow them to come back, uh, depending on you know. How that kind of how they but laugh. even that they want to that that's a regular occurrence where people are didn't realize how good they had it with you yeah we do get that on a regular occurrence wow yeah yeah so it's great very interesting well I know uh, we're running out of time and I don't want to hold you up anything else you want to share that I haven't asked about man you've asked great questions these are all good stuff like you know just starting your own company you know here's here's a really good note I was talking to my COO the other day and I said if there is something that I would do differently. This is what it would be. And that would be to hire a COO first and not employees. Because one, one thing that I learned was my, my superhero you know, ability is like two things. One, I eat a lot of food. And secondly, <laughs> is I, 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 I try not to eat a lot of food. And then secondly... Is I do I'm really good at offers. I'm really good at selling products online. I'm really good at building a funnel, and that's dude. That's what I'm good at. That's mm-hmm. what my superpower is. Mm-hmm. And everything beyond that, such as you know, um, uh, being a, being on top of a company, uh, managing a company, managing employees, mm-hmm. uh, putting SOPs together, putting systems together, mm-hmm. making sure everybody's communicating together. Dude, that is not my forte. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, I've learned that over like three or four years. And I've read books before that says hire the COO first. Mm-hmm. And I've made the, I've done the same thing. I've balked at it, right? I was like, <laughs> like these dudes are going to be like, they're insane. Because in totally, I made the same mistake. I hired a 10, I think it was 10 bucks an hour, $10 an hour job, somebody to take the phone call, somebody to take, you know, the, the heat or whatever, the emails, so I could go do more funnels. And then mm-hmm. guess what? I, Hire another one, and then I hired another one. I was like, "Oh, I probably should have somebody manage these." So I put a little manager in there, and then that, and then before you know it, you're like, "Holy crap! I got 20 employees sitting around me, like, and they're all just kind of running around." And they like, need I management. Need, I need structure around this. Like, they don't. I'm structured in my own way, but then by me being structured doesn't mean that they're frankly structured, right? Mm. And so, I, yeah. I, so then we hired a COO to make this all kind of like come back around. But the, but the same thing is, is man, I should have. The That's CEO. the same scalability argument you were making before. You know, it's like because with a, you you multiplied your employees without having the management structure in place. Yeah, so, but you obviously caught it in time. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Oops. 
Well, not, it wasn't in time, right? It was a le- it was one of those least successful uh, failures you asked about. Well, right? it wasn't no, no. it wasn't a fatal error though. <laughs> well, the, the best thing about it is, yeah. And so the next question would be, well, then how do I afford a COO? Mm. And you know, I bet I bet you the best answer to that, and I would have not known the answer to that, um, you know, two or three years ago, but I think I know the answer now. And the answer would be is you might not be able to pay them. You know, hundred grand or one hundred twenty thousand dollars, what they're asking for. Most likely, if they believe in you or they're a startup like lover, which a lot of people are, they just get that that fire under them because of it. Tell them that you'll give them a percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I'll give you. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a salary of you know forty fifty grand. I'm gonna cut myself out or cut, give myself half just to hire you mm-hmm. and like just know that I'm taking away from me to just employ you. And and secondly, is I also want to give you a percentage of profits. So mm-hmm. as we grow, as we expand, you're incentivized to grow and expand and keep us healthy, mm-hmm. right? And I think that would that would would, would make for a great negotiation mm-hmm. on us bringing a COO in from a hundred grand to maybe forty or fifty grand, and showing them, hey, but I'm going to give you this this nice carrot out here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that'd be mm-hmm. useful for a lot of my listeners. Yeah, right. it, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. You know, I want to acknowledge you for being someone who is passionate about solving problems, especially the problems you caused yourself. Because you're obviously someone who's learned a lot. And and I can just feel in the your tones and your energy that you're just like, oh, failure? Great. What happens? You know, what, <laughs> what can I learn? How can we make this different? And yep. you you have a resilience that I think uh, would make many people very jealous. Oh, there you go. Don't nothing, nothing to be jealous about. Just go out and do it. <laughs> the prosecution rests, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Trey. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, and um, perhaps we'll talk again at some some point. And I wish you all the luck and your continued growth, and keep keep at it. Thanks, Joseph. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Thanks for having us on. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.